Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Amen. Good morning, church. Glad you're here. Good to see all of you. Welcome to the 830 service. And if you're joining us online, thanks for joining us as well. We love you guys so much. And uh, right in the middle of the summer, still in church, still in God's house. Good for you guys. Some of you look um, a little angry, so here's a, here's a little joke to loosen me up, I guess, hopefully loosen you up. Lady walks by pet store every, every day on her way to work, and um, one day she sees a bunch of cute puppies and kittens in the window, and she thinks, I'm going to stop by inside, so she goes in there real quick, and... and uh, Looks at, the, looks at the puppies and the kittens, and then as she's walking around, she notices a beautiful parrot in a cage. So she walks up to the parrot, and, and you know, sometimes parrots talk, so she says, hello. <laughs> the, parrot look, the parrot looks at her and says, hey lady, in this squawking parrot voice, hey lady, you're ugly. The lady, of course, is kind of offended, and so she gets a little upset, and she walks out of the pet store, and the next day she thinks, well, I'll see if anything's changed. I'll try it again. She goes in says hello to the parrot. Parrot looks at her again and says, hey lady, you're ugly. Well, she does this for five days in a row and finally she's fed up, the same result every time. So on the fifth day, she finds the pet owner and says, your parrot is rude and mean. You need to teach him something new to say. I'm never coming back. She storms out and a few days later, she thinks, I'm just gonna go check and see if anything's changed. So she walks back in the store and walks up to the parrot and the parrot's the parrot looks a little beat up his feathers are ruffled the lady says hello the parrot looks at her and says hey lady you know <laughs> oh that's funnier to me than it is even at the last service i'll try it again i'll do it two more times if you don't like it it's from my mom it's a recycled joke but anyways we're in week three of our series today called i pity the fool practical wisdom from the book of james and richard anakire gave this to me last week i still have it mr t in your pocket and the good phrase i pity the fool does come from our friend mr t here you go here's here's one of his sayings I pity the fool. there you go and there's six sayings on here by the way i won't go through all of them but let me try this one Oh, not that one. Oh, this one's a good one. Quit your jibber-jabber. Here's another one. Don't give me no back talk, sucker. And then uh, here's, here's the last one. Shut up, fool. Yeah. Mr. T, Mr. T needs to hear my message today. It's a little bit rude, but we're, we've been looking at one chapter every week. Chapter one, we focused on a faith that works when life doesn't, and we talked about how to deal with the troubles that we face in our life. Last week on, on chapter two, we talked about how to know if my faith is real. Real faith is what we do. Real faith is in our actions. Today we're going to look at chapter 3. The title of my message today is, It's Easier to Tame a Lion Than to Tame Your Tongue. Last week we talked about actions. Today we're talking about our words. And So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to James chapter 3? James chapter 3. And go ahead and stand to your feet with me also. If you would, we're going to read this entire chapter, and I like to stand when we read the Word of God because there's nothing more powerful, and I think we ought to honor and respect the Word of God 
I put a post-it note in this Bible and the paper so thin that it ripped part of the, the verse out, <laughs> some of the verses, so I might need some help reading this, but we'll see. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power and the truth of your word. Speak to us today. Encourage us, challenge us, change us. Lord, I pray for our junior high students at our camp, my own son, Cohen, and God be with them. Pastor Junior, help them have a, a great session this morning, probably right now, bring them home safe. In the name of Jesus, if you agree, say amen. amen. James chapter three, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a, of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Before you're seated, look at the person next to you and says, and tell them it doesn't matter what any parrot says, you look good. One of the major themes of the book of James is self-deception, self-deception, which is lying to ourselves. And of course, the problem with deception, especially self-deception, is you don't know you're deceived. We rationalize our sin and our brokenness. We, we tell ourselves what we think are rational lies <laughs> to convince our mind what we know in our heart is wrong. And one of the primary ways, probably the most common form of self-deception is in our words. It's in how we talk. Sometimes we think we're spiritual and not self-centered, but our words betray us and show that we are not nearly as mature as we think we are. 
James chapter one, verse 26, we read a few weeks ago, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And just as we read in chapter three, James then goes into vivid detail of what God thinks about our words. And he begins verse one with a warning for people like myself. Teachers in the church will be judged by God more strictly. That's one of the scariest verses in the Bible to me because <laughs> I'm already nervous about being judged by the Lord. <laughs> Come on, I don't need to be judged any stricter. But the Bible says that anybody who teaches the word of God will be judged more strictly. And then James talks about controlling or taming your tongue, watching your words, managing your mouth. And the truth is, which was what we're gonna focus on today, is that taming your tongue can only be done with God's help. <laughs> only, on your own, you have no chance. It can only be done with God's help. You might think, what's the big deal? It's just words, why do I need to filter what I say? What does it really matter? We just read. We just read uh, why we need to do that. In fact, let me, let me point out these three reasons. Why do I need God's help to tame my tongue? Why do I need God's help to tame my tongue? Number one, James says, is that my tongue directs where I'm headed. My tongue directs where I'm headed. Maybe because our, our tongue is so small, we underestimate its influence and <clears throat> and overlook its power in our lives, but James gives two clear examples to illustrate this. First, he talks about a horse. <laughs> Isn't it, it's amazing, I think, when you think about it, that a 90-pound jockey, look, I'm not a big guy, but these jockeys are smaller than me. A 90-pound jockey can control a 2,000-pound stallion racehorse just with a small, tiny metal bit in the horse's mouth. It just takes a little bit, men and women. It just takes a little bit of a conversation or a little bit of a sentence or a little bit of a phrase or a little bit of a word that can completely change the direction of your life or somebody else's life. You can probably think of something right now that somebody said to you, not even recently, years, maybe decades ago, just a bit of a phrase that changed your life either for good or for bad. Maybe it was something positive and encouraging that someone said to you about potential that they saw in you. Or maybe it was something negative and discouraging that someone said to you, a label that they placed on you that affected your identity and your confidence for years, maybe decades. The second example that James gives is a ship. A massive ship, a massive ocean liner can be battered by the waves, but still head in the right direction because of a small rudder. And James says that our words are like a rudder in our lives, that they either keep us on course or they can take us off course. Listen, if you want to know where your life is headed in the next five years, or somebody else for that matter, all you need to do is listen to how they talk and what they talk about. Because your words direct your life. If you don't like the direction that your life is headed, then change the way you talk. Come on, somebody. You guys are quieter than the five o'clock service. <laughs> Holy smokes, all right, I'll, 
So we say things like this, I'll never find a spouse. I'll never get a job. We'll never get out of debt. We'll never get pregnant. We'll never have a good marriage. I'll always be depressed. I'll never be happy again. I'll always be disappointed as a Raiders fan, which you probably will, by the way. Most of us would never talk to other people the way that we talk to ourselves. And if you did, you wouldn't have any friends. And if you don't have any friends, maybe it's because the way you talk to them, by the way. Our words have tremendous power and control over our lives. By the way, the first purpose of words was not communication, it was creation. When you read Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. He wasn't communicating to anybody, he was creating with his words. His words have created potential and power, men and women, and so do yours. This isn't some self-help message from, you know, some self-help preacher. This is what the Word of God says. <laughs> your words create your world. You shape your words and then your words shape you. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it and indulge will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. The consequences are death or life. <laughs> Parents, the words that we speak over our children, over our grandchildren, have tremendous power and influence. Take a parenting class with Tim and Jenny Arietta. You'll learn that in like the first week. So be careful what you say to them, what you say about them. Don't speak death and negativity over them. Be intentional and encourage them towards the Lord. You ought, you ought to say things, son, you're a man of God. And because you're a man of God, I'm proud of you tonight at the dinner table for not making any weird bodily noises that would embarrass your, me or and make your mom upset. I got to say things like that. I got a 12-year-old son. My dad, I still remember this. My dad would come in at night, growing up, would pray for me. Most of the time, Josh was already asleep, but he'd pray for me and pray for Josh. And then he'd say, almost every time when he'd leave, he says, John, I'm proud of you. He said, I love you. Your mom and I will always love you. Those words shaped my life, gave me confidence, gave me identity, gave me security. Number two, my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. Living in Southern California, we're in fire season right now. Every summer, it's called fire season because of the fires in our state, you know, especially Southern California, it's dry, it's hot, and we get fires every year. I don't, I don't know if you remember back in 2018, all the fires that we had, 1.6 million acres were burned that year. The largest fire was the Mendocino fire, which took over 410,000 acres. Interestingly, they, they later traced this fire back to one spark that came from a hammer driving a metal stake into the ground. Just as a careless camper can destroy an entire national park, men and women, a careless word can destroy an entire life. James says that our tongue's a fire that if it's not controlled can burn down ourselves and everyone around us quicker than anything else. In fact, if you study history, most wars were started by a few inflammatory comments that quickly got out of control and then literally all hell broke loose. Proverbs 16, 27 says, scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. 
Don't look around. Don't point your finger at anybody. Anybody know a scoundrel? Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. Come on. Verbal arsonist. You might call them dragons. <laughs> There's a, a family member on my wife's side of the family, and, and I won't tell you who it is. Everybody calls her the dragon because she's mean. She's mean, and she's, a, you know, she's just torching everybody around her with everything she says. Some people have destroyed their career because of their words. Some people have destroyed their marriage because of their words. Some people have destroyed their church because of their words. Some people have destroyed their integrity because of their words. Some people have destroyed a friendship or a relationship because of their words. I've destroyed things in my life because of my words, and I bet you have too. But when our words are under control, when we can learn how to tame our tongue and like a fire, our words can bring warmth and light and life and healing. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Going back to James 3, verse 6, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. If I asked you, what is the filthiest part of your body that creates the most shame? <laughs> what part of your body sins the most? Most Christians would probably think of our sexual reproductive parts. We tend to be concerned about, especially when it comes to world and culture, we tend to be concerned about other people's sexual sins, and yet we think nothing of the sins that come out of our own mouth. And by the way, if you read the Bible, the Word of God has a whole lot more to say about the sins of our mouth than it even does about sexual sins. If you don't believe me, here's a couple of things off the top of my head. Sins of the mouth, gossiping, lying, cursing, filthy language, deceiving, boasting, backbiting, threatening, ridiculing, slandering, judging, fault-finding, being a false witness, empty flattery, hypocritical words, bitter words, mocking, defaming, and complaining. Wow. And that's just a few off the top of my head. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. And then James uses a zoo illustration in verse seven. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. That's why I called this message, it's easier to tame a lion than to tame your tongue. If you guys would have laughed at my joke more at the beginning, I would have called it, it's easier to tame a parrot than to tame your tongue, but anyways. <laughs> Without God's help, it is impossible to tame your tongue. You can't control it on your own, it's too wild. And your tongue is full of deadly poison. It is a deadly weapon that can be used to kill the things in your life and the lives of others. If you don't believe that, just open up a social media app on your phone and I promise you within 60 seconds or less, if you're scrolling, you will find somebody that is saying something mean, and angry and evil and wicked. <laughs> and if you look at your own timeline, it might even be from your own mouth. Come on, somebody. Listen, some of you, if you need to, if, if you have no control in this, I'm serious right now. If you don't have control in this area, you need to get off social media. You need to take a break. You need to put yourself in timeout for a week or a month. 
That's why I don't read posts from church members because it makes me angry at them. I just forget it. Anyways, number three, my tongue displays who I really am. My tongue displays who I really am. When you go to the doctor to get a checkup, you're not feeling well, you go to the doctor. What's, what's one of the first things that the doctor says or does? Open up your mouth and stick out your tongue. Because just by looking at your tongue, it tells the doctor something about your physical health. Then oftentimes they put a thermometer to see what's going on internally. The Bible says that by looking, just by looking spiritually at our tongue is an indication of what's going on inside our hearts. My words reveal my character, my true identity, my real heart, not the fake me, not the reputation me that others see on the platform on Sunday mornings. My words reveal how spiritually healthy or unhealthy I am, how spiritually mature or immature that I am. Verse nine, sometimes our tongues praise our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. We just did a whole series on that. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. <laughs> you ever had the experience? You're getting ready for church on Sunday morning to go into the house of God with the people of God to hear the word of God. And you're getting ready <laughs> and you want to go to church and your spouse is running late taking too long and so you get in an argument and a fight with your spouse and then finally you get in the car and you get your kids in the car and then they're fighting on the way to church and then you're yelling at them and tell them to shut up like mr t what is it don't give me no shut up fool you're yelling shut up fools shut up fools and then as you're driving to church somebody cuts you off and you curse at them because it just comes out of your heart and then you get to church and you realize that was the pastor who cut me off. <laughs> and then you walk into the sanctuary and you close your eyes and you lift your hands and you sing, and I will make room for you. And you sway because you feel the spirit to do whatever you want to, to do. And you act all holy and spiritual. <laughs> and three times in the last 30 minutes, come on, somebody, you just sinned with your mouth. Am I preaching to anybody or is that just me? <laughs> Our tongue's a contradiction. We praise God, we bless his name, and then the next moment we're attacking others that God created in his own image. Listen, all of us do. That's what James is talking about. How do you talk to people, about people behind their backs who disagree with you politically? How do you respond to somebody who attacks you on social media and doesn't like your post of your, your feet at the beach or whatever it is? <laughs> How do you interact with people who don't know the Lord and have a totally different worldview than you? Can you even have a respectful conversation with them without getting mad or you know, telling them off? How do, you, how do you treat that person who's from another country, doesn't speak very good English? How does that settle in your heart? If we recorded everything that you said in the past week, what would we learn about you? 
God says you shouldn't have good and bad blessings and curses coming out of the same mouth. And listen, all of us struggle with this. None of us can be perfect. That's what James admits at the beginning of the chapter. This is one of the primary areas in my own life that God has to deal with me over and over and over again. Feels like almost every day. <laughs> How is it that I can say some of the most unloving things to the people that I love the most? to my own wife, to my own children, to my own family. Anybody else struggle with that or is it just me, right? How can we speak kind, loving words one moment and then the next moment we're lashing out at people and impatient, harsh, unkind with those we love the most? Well, James tells us, verses 11 and 12, he says, whatever's in the well is gonna come out in the water. Whatever, whatever's in the tree is gonna come out in the fruit. In other words, whatever is in my heart comes out of my mouth. And here is the difficult truth, men and women. My deeper problem isn't my tongue, it's my heart. It's my heart. Maybe you've said this before, use this excuse. You went off on somebody, and then you say, later, you apologize. I don't know what came over me. It's not like me to say that. Yes, it is. It's exactly like you. And it's exactly like me, because it came out of our heart. Eventually our mouth betrays what's going on inside, so we need to quit rationalizing it and excusing it away, and we need to deal with it. How do, we, how do we deal with this? How do we tame our tongue? You can't do it on your own. You need God's help, and I need God's help every single day. C.S. Lewis said this, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. So how do I receive God's help to tame my tongue? I'll give you these three points faster. Number one, every day ask the Holy Spirit to change my heart, every day. Jesus said in Matthew 12, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. We need to get the poison out of our heart so it doesn't flow out of our mouth. If I have a harsh tongue, it's because I have an angry heart. If I have a negative tongue, it's because I have a fearful heart. If I have an unfriendly tongue, it's because I have a hard heart. If I have a critical tongue, it's because I have a bitter heart. If I have a boasting tongue, it's because I have an insecure heart. If I have a judgmental tongue, it's because I have a guilty heart. If I have a filthy tongue, it's because I have an impure heart. But here's good news, men and women, for all of us. Jesus specializes in heart transplants. Come on, he's the greatest spiritual cardiac surgeon in the world. <laughs> he's world renowned. He does it all the time. He can change your heart and my heart. Psalm 51, I love this psalm. It's one of my favorite probably chapters in the Bible. David wrote it after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he had murdered her husband Uriah, and he's finally repents. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. God, cleanse me from my sin. Listen, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. If we repent and ask God to forgive us and create in us a clean heart, then we can have an encouraging tongue because we have a happy heart. We can have a kind tongue because we have a loving heart. We can have a joyful tongue because we have a thankful heart. We can have a controlled tongue because we have a peaceful heart. Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think that's a good prayer to pray every day. 
God, change my heart so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart are pleasing to you. Number two, if you wanna control your tongue, tame your tongue, number two, every day, ask the Holy Spirit to help me speak words of life, to speak words of life. One of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the evidences that Jesus is working in us, that he's changing our hearts, that we're growing more spiritually, is self-control. 2 Timothy 1, 7, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of power and love and self-control. That's why none of us, if you know the Lord, we don't have an excuse for anything in our life because we have self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with his power changing our heart, we can gain control over our mouth. We can choose to speak words of life and love and blessing and encouragement. Even if you've never had control of your mouth before, maybe you've never thought about it, maybe you've never surrendered it to the Lord, you can start today and God can change you. Psalm 141 verse three said, a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We can let God use our mouths or we can let the devil use them. <laughs> so every day, choose to speak praise to the Lord. Every day, choose to thank God for all that he's done. Every day, choose to sing of his love and his goodness. Every day, choose to declare the word of God over your life. Every day, choose to encourage others. Every day, choose to say thank you to other people. Every day, choose to speak kind words. Every day, choose to bless others. Every day, choose to communicate love. Proverbs 10, 11, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. I want my words to be like that. When, when Jesus was arrested and put on trial, Matthew 26, one of his closest friends, one of his three closest friends, Peter, was outside during this mock trial. Jesus is being falsely accused. He's being lied about. And Peter is outside, doesn't want to get too close, warming his hands by the fire. And people come up to him and say, hey, hey, aren't you, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of his disciples? Jesus denies, uh, Peter denies Jesus three times. After the third time, the Bible says that he curses and he begins to swear, I never knew the man. And listen, men and women, Jesus, Jesus is crucified. He's resurrected. 50 days later, that same Peter in Acts chapter 2, along with the other 120 who have been waiting to receive power from on high, Jesus baptizes Peter and the rest with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, and they saw tongues as a fire that were resting on their heads. And they began to speak in other languages and declare the praises of God. And then Peter gets up. He's the one who gets up to preach. And 3,000 people come to Christ and the church's birth. God touched that same man's mouth. Come on. That denied Christ that blasphemed him, that cursed and swore. He touched his mouth and changed his tongue. I think it, by the way, if you don't know, we are a spirit-filled church. We believe in the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Ghost and everything that comes along with it. Signs, wonders, miracles, spiritual language, all the gifts of the Spirit. We, I am not trying to hide that from anybody. <laughs> you need the power of God in your life, and I do too. Good luck doing it on your own. Tell me how that works out in about six months. You can't do it on your own. You need God's power in your life. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? I think it's, here's my point. I think it's significant. 
I think it's significant that God, when, when he fills us and he baptizes us with the spirit of God, the same things that we read about in scripture, we can expect today, by the way, that when he does it, he wants to touch the filthiest part of our body. He wants to touch our mouths and release a new heavenly spiritual language Whew. for praise and for prayer and for warfare and for building ourselves up, like Jude says, in the most holy faith. But listen, listen to me. <clears throat> it's actually, it's actually greater proof, the greatest proof that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit is not speaking in a heavenly language that you don't know, speaking in a heavenly tongue that you don't know, it's speaking in a tongue that you do know that is filled with God's love every single day. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Paul is writing about the gifts of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 13 is in that context. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. So has God touched your mouth so that love is coming out of your mouth, out of your heart? My grandpa Chuck, Tim, Tim knew my grandpa, Gary knew my grandpa Chuck, some of you guys that were at Faith, you knew my grandpa Chuck, my dad's dad. I can say this, and this is not preacher exaggeration to try to make a point, this is the 100% truth. I spent a lot of time with my grandpa Chuck growing up. He died when I was 20 years old. Josh and I we used to go over there all the time. I cannot recall, I cannot recall one negative thing, one bad thing that my grandpa said about anybody at any time. Not even, not even my grandma Pat. I would hear them, Josh and I would hear them sometimes. They'd be in their room. They were, I felt like they were napping all the time. And now I'm 42 years old. I feel like I'm napping all the time. And I would hear grandma. Grandma would start to get irritated about something. Josh, you remember this, don't you? And Grandpa would just put a stop to it and not rude, not mean. So he said, Patsy, that's enough. He'd call her Patsy. It was so cute. Patsy, that's enough. And then he'd make a joke and they'd start laughing and that would be the end of it. You know why? I think this is, my grandpa was the most loving man I've ever met. Just as loving as my dad. His heart was so full of love, it's what came out of his mouth. It's why people loved him so much. Here's the third and the last point. Every day, I ask the Holy Spirit to stop me from speaking words of death. <laughs> it's not just speaking words of life, men and women. We just need to be prevented from speaking words of death. James 1.19, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I laugh every time I read that verse, because every time I'm convicted, I feel like I do the opposite of what it says. <laughs> I'm slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry too, too often. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us engage our mind, exercise self-control before before putting our mouth into gear so that we can respond in love and not react in sin. And sometimes the best response is to not say anything, especially if you're gonna gripe or complain. My grandma Pat used to tell us growing up, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Most of the time she'd tell me that after I was picking on my, my younger brother Josh. I think I told her on more than one occasion, then I'll never talk to my brother ever again. <laughs> Reminds me of the story about the, the man who decided to join a monastery and become a monk, and so he took a vow of silence. And the rule was you could not talk at all except once a year, 
And at the end of the, of the year, you could say two words. So that at the end of his first year, he just said, bed hard. After the end of his second year, he said, food cold. At the end of the third year, he walked up to the head monk and he looked at him and said, I quit. And the head monk looked at him and said, you know, I'm not surprised because all you've done since you got here is complain. <laughs> Complaining is what kept the Israelites out of the promised land and men and women, it's what will keep you out of your promised land as well. My dad, my dad said, thankfulness is the secret to joy. It's hard to be grumpy when you're grateful. That's a good reminder. Proverbs 10, 19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Like Mr. T says, shut up, fool. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 23, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. You ever had a moment where somebody's, somebody's talking to you and they're coming after you? Maybe they're accusing you of something or whatever the case is. You can feel yourself getting angry in your heart and you're just thinking, as soon as, soon as they stop talking, I'm about to unleash hell on this person. I'm about to light them, I'm gonna torch them. And just when you're about ready to open up your mouth, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and say, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything. And if you obey that, men and women, do you know what that's called? That's called wisdom. That's called spiritual maturity. That's called spiritual growth. That's called being like Jesus. If you read about Jesus' life in the Gospels, you'll, you'll notice there were times the religious leaders came after him trying to trap him in his words. He just didn't say anything. When he stood on trial, falsely accused, lied about, slandered, beaten, the Bible says he didn't say a word. When he hung on the cross and people that he had created, that he had formed in their mother's womb, men filled with hate, filled with wickedness and evil, come up, curse him, spit on him, mock him and say, if you're truly the son of God, then bring yourself down from the cross. Jesus didn't even answer that. The only thing he, he said is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Isaiah 53, verse seven says, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. And Jesus, through the power, the presence, the help of the Holy Spirit, he tamed his tongue, and none of us will ever be perfect like Jesus. He was perfect in every way. None of us will ever be perfect like Jesus, but with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, men and women, you can tame your tongue and I can tame my tongue. Would you stand to your feet this morning with me? And I wanna invite you just to, to close your eyes, just to, to not be distracted for a moment, just focus on the Lord. I, I wanna actually lead you, lead all of us in a, a simple prayer in response to the message. Obviously, you don't have to do this. It's just, it's just an in, invitation prayer responding to the message this morning, if you'd like. Would you repeat this after me a phrase at a time? Say, God, I know I mess up with my words. Forgive me of my sin. I want to grow and mature and learn how to tame my tongue. 
with the help and power of the Holy Spirit. Every day change my heart. Every day help me speak words of life. Every day stop me from saying things I shouldn't. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Just stay standing for a moment. Sarah, come out and just lead us in this chorus, if you would. Let's worship the Lord with our mouths this morning. Let's give him praise. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online, you're not in relationship with God, you've never made that decision before, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Maybe you have, but you've walked away, but you want to come back to Him. Men and women, you were created by God, for God, to walk in relationship with Him. And the only way to have a relationship with Him is through His Son, Jesus. He's the one who died for you, shed His blood on the cross to forgive you of your sins to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness, to bring you into relationship with God, to reconcile you with God so that you could have abundant and eternal life. He is the only way. There's no other way. There, you can't earn your way into heaven no matter how hard you try. <laughs> it's not, a, you, have to, you have to say, Lord, I need you in my life. Lord Jesus, be my Lord. I give my life to you. That's what it means to be, to have him be your Lord and be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. Maybe you're ready to make that decision right now. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to, to look at me and lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand, hold it high, and look at me this morning. Anybody in this place this morning? Any praise of God? Anybody in here? Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. May the words of our mouth 
May the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. May we use our words for your glory. Lord, stop us even today, this week. Remind us of this message. Give us self-control through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.